Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm the host of this show. Today, I've got Tom Peavy and Brent Daughtry with me here as we have to preview the brackets. They are out. Selection Sunday has come and gone. Your Auburn Tigers are once again in the NCAA tournament field. And boy, did they get something very favorable that most nine seeds do not get. They're going to play just an hour 45 minutes from their home in Auburn. They're going to play up in Birmingham against the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll break down the brackets throughout the show today. We'll also have Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter at 4 o'clock to talk Auburn baseball. Auburn baseball started the week strong last week but had a very rough conclusion to it on a doubleheader on Saturday. So we'll talk about what's going on with Auburn baseball. Also, Auburn women's basketball invited to the WNIT. We'll tell you the details on that. Also, NFL free agency beginning, the uh, legal tampering period beginning today, which means a lot of deals begin to get consummated. We'll update you on any serious stuff in the NFL. More head coaching news in college basketball. Chris Beard is in at Ole Miss. And so big hire for the Rebels there. Talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, And a lot of news just to get to. A lot of stuff to talk about on this Monday. Of course, best and worst of the weekend towards the end of the show as well. And nightly TV guide and birthdays and sports throughout the show as well. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here today. Tom Peavy, how are you yep. doing, sir? I'm. <clears throat> whoa, excuse me. My voice was apparently not ready for that. Uh, I'm I'm doing great. It was a good weekend. Uh, went down to Enterprise uh, to uh, go see some uh, friends, uh, some some of my girlfriend's friends down there for a birthday party. So it was nice, kind of get out of town, and go to Enterprise, and have a good time down there. And uh, yeah, sports wise, uh, Auburn, yeah, gets a very favorable draw. Um, what can they do with it? We shall see. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about that. Not a good weekend, at least not a good Saturday for the uh, batted sports teams as uh, as they both get swept on Saturday in doubleheaders. Uh, both teams playing doubleheaders. To, well, I guess the Georgia game was a doubleheader on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, they, right, both, yeah. they both had doubleheaders, yep. To uh, try to uh, try to avoid the rain that was coming in on, on Sunday. Sunday. Uh, but Auburn, uh, oh yeah, Auburn loses two at home on Saturday. Georgia uh, beats Auburn twice in softball. So not a good Saturday for the batted sports teams, but uh, a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, a lot of things in the NFL, a lot of moving things going on in the NFL right now. Uh, you had uh, the Players' Championship, or the, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Players' Championship in PGA Golf with the uh, the famed Island Green at 17 that uh, ate up very many golf balls uh, in that tournament. So, uh, yeah, a lot to get into. Been a good weekend. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that too. I and unfortunately did not watch as much of the players as I normally uh, would want to. The moving up in March has become a little more chaotic. There's too yeah. much going on in March, and I love the Players Championship and TPC Sawgrass, but I did not catch a whole lot of that. Although I do know 
Uh, Scotty Scheffler won that, but yeah, going to won it by a large margin. Yeah, and uh, up to number one in the world now, I believe, with yeah. the win as well. Brand Daughtry being here in just a second, uh, but let's get right to it. Uh, as Auburn, uh, despite the calls we had from Snake, which he was convinced last week, don't know if you heard this or remember this, Tom, Snake was convinced that uh, Auburn would not make the tournament if Vandy won the SEC tournament. Uh, Auburn was well within the NCAA tournament. That did not matter. Uh, and so Auburn is a nine-seed playing in Birmingham against Iowa uh, in the 8-9 matchup Thursday night. That will be a 5:50 central time tip uh, inside of Legacy Arena in Birmingham. Uh, of course, Birmingham hosting some tournament games for the first time in several years. And not only is Auburn in Birmingham, obviously number one overall seed Alabama is in Birmingham. And so Birmingham getting to host the two major Alabamian teams, yep. uh, both in the NCAA tournament. Of course, the one seed in Auburn's regional is the Houston Cougars. They have an injury to tell you about, too, which is going to be interesting to watch if, if, if Houston – uh, or if Auburn is able to advance and play Houston. And so Auburn, bottom line, in the 8-9 game, uh, Iowa's a good basketball team, but they get this game in Birmingham. What are your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, well, so first of all, uh, the last time I heard from Snake from Pulaski is he was saying that Auburn was not going to make the tournament if they lost that first-round game to Arkansas. He, he amended it on Thursday, but okay. the, the it didn't make it better. Didn't mean, it that way. Yeah, it didn't make it any better. But uh, um. So, as far as Auburn goes, it, it's great. I mean, you're getting to play in Birmingham right up the road as a nine seed. I mean, that's not a uh, that's not something that very many nine seeds get to do. Most nine seeds are having to go off way off from wherever their kind of home base is. It, Auburn's getting to play right up the road against Iowa, and uh, you know, if I'm Iowa, I'm kind of sitting there throwing my hands up in disbelief, like, really, like. <laughs> You're going to make us – we've got a better seed than Auburn, but yet you're going to go make us play them in their backyard. Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem very fair to Iowa. Now, as far as that game goes, I, I think it'd go either way. Iowa's a, a, a good team, shoot a lot of threes. Um, they are, you know, right there around Auburn as far as seeding goes. I mean, obviously, eight versus nine, their records are very similar. My thing with this, with Auburn – Auburn has not won a game away from Neville Arena since November the 21st. That, that's a problem. Uh, obviously, they're going to have a huge fan base in Birmingham. It's going to be very loud. You're going to have some sort of a home court advantage up there. Maybe Auburn can take advantage of that. But uh, Auburn's woes on the road really concern me because, obviously, there's not going to be any more games in Neville Arena this season. Everything's going to be away from that arena. So, uh, that concerns me. Auburn's inability to finish games concerns me. Uh, we saw them uh, blow a 17-point lead at Alabama, and then in the SEC championship, we saw Auburn rally all the way back from being down 15 to take the lead right there late in the game, but then just could not get a defensive stop uh, against Arkansas. And then when they score, then Auburn turns it, out, turns it right back over to them. So just those types of things just concern me about Auburn, the, the inability to win away from home and uh, the inability to finish games out. Just that, that bothers me for what may or may not happen throughout this tournament. A couple of interesting stats about 
uh, both Auburn at the SEC and NCAA tournament under Bruce Pearl. Uh, they're now going on a streak where uh, they're pretty much boom or bust. They've twice made the semifinals or further, obviously, winning the conference tournament uh, back in 2019. But there's also, if you take those two out, all the other trips for Bruce Pearl and Auburn in the SEC tournament have been won and done. Now, the NCAA tournament for Auburn as a program, this will be the 12th appearance. So 11 prior appearances, 10 times Auburn won at least one game in the NCAA tournament. They've actually done quite a good job of at least winning one, even though a year like last year, the expectation was to try to win more than that. But uh, Auburn, for the SEC tournament woes here as of late, uh, they've still been able to win at least a game uh, in the NCAA tournament would love to do that again Brant Daughtry now on the show with us Brant how are you doing sir and uh, what do you think here of uh, Auburn's draw in the NCAA tournament I'm doing great I think you guys nailed it um it, very fortunate draw to be able to play in Birmingham very close to home uh what about two hours away hour 45 so not very far up the road at all uh reverse tiger walk going to be tomorrow around five I think I saw um so go to that if you're interested and I think the most interesting thing about it is the team you drew. Iowa is an incredibly gifted offensive team, but they are very susceptible on defense. They don't play defense very well, but their goal is to score 85 and let you score 75. You know, they're, they, you can score a decent amount against them, but their job is, hey, you can't beat us because you can't score more than we can. Uh, they pop a lot of threes, and they're a really good three-point shooting team. Um, but the thing is, Auburn's had a lot of success against good teams like that. The the team that Auburn has played this year that most, to me, compares to Iowa is Missouri. Missouri is a very similar team, and we all remember what Auburn did to them. Now, again, Tom hit it. Tom set, hit on this a second ago. That was inside Neville Arena, and Auburn hasn't won away from Neville Arena in a couple months. So you're going to have to be able to do that. But the good news is Legacy Arena, ha, there's a lot of Auburn fans in the Birmingham area. I have a feeling they're going to pack that house out, and it's going to be about as close to a home game as you can get. And uh, Auburn's played a lot of games in that arena over the past couple of years. Uh, so it, it is kind of becoming a home away from home. They've also have not lost in that arena under Bruce Pearl. Now three of the four matchups have been, have been against UAB, which, no offense to UAB, is not typically an NCAA tournament team uh, or, or have not been the past couple of years. So it, this is tougher competition, but it's a place that Auburn has kind of turned, a home, it turned into a home away from home for Auburn. So I think this is a very fortunate draw. I think uh, what's going to be interesting, too, and there's a lot of layers to this that we'll discuss, is they are different sessions, but with Alabama being the the game before Auburn, how many Alabama fans turn right back around and and go into Legacy Arena a second time and, and stick it out Iowa. to cheer for Iowa? So I, I can tell you, a bunch will. The, the, oh, yeah. I, I expect that there will be some. So I, I wonder what the true advantage will be. I, and I also wonder if Auburn had been fortunate enough to be on a Friday-Sunday as opposed to Alabama being on Thursday-Saturday. Auburn can't, uh, can't you know, argue those points because obviously they are very fortunate to be in Birmingham to begin with as an 8-9. I, I heard uh, Kelvin Sampson react, who's the head coach at Houston. Uh, he was, uh, needless to say, not very pleased about having Auburn be two hours from home. But – then again, Auburn's got to got to beat Iowa first to get to Houston. Uh, 
so a very abnormal thing for the Tigers to, to get advantage of. I, I saw that they're, if they had been in the 7-10 game, if they had been that 10 seed, they might have been up in, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, there was no telling. So Auburn, locationally speaking, gets a, a great break after a year where they've had a lot of close calls and a lot of things not fall and not break their way. We'll talk more about the Iowa matchup throughout the week as you guys you, you guys hit on the, the kind of the general points there. They uh, do score uh, effectively. They have a lot of different scores. They do shoot a lot of three pointers, not as gifted defensively, uh, which you can you can take to mean be a good or a bad thing. I mean, you can really take either side of the equation. You can take the side that that's going to enable Auburn to have better looks at it and, and might be able to unlock a little better offensive performance. You can also say that since Auburn's not as good of an offensive team, they might not be able to take advantage of a weaker Iowa uh, defense and then have trouble themselves being able to keep Iowa way down. So you can take either side of the equation, but we'll go throughout the week talking about the matchup and throughout the show uh, breaking down that and the rest of the bracket for now though we got to take our first time out of the show today more sports call after this Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. Again, want to make the announcement. We had uh, Jeff from Columbus ask this on Friday. We'll continue to let you know throughout the week. If you go on the ESPN app or the ESPN Fantasy app, uh, you type in uh, for br- uh, the tournament challenge, Sports Call 2023 bracket. That is our group if you want to enter into that. Obviously, free to enter. Anyone can enter, uh, and there will only be one entry per, per user. The group motto is still here to beat JJ because, of course, we we'll always want to beat JJ uh, in the brackets, and he's going to put one in there. And so, again, Sports Call 2023 bracket there on the ESPN Tournament Challenge. That's how you can enter and play against all of us. Uh, very exciting time of year again i've talked a lot about my uh, reverence for the ncaa tournament just how it how many people get involved with it whether they watch college basketball or not i know several people personally that don't really watch college basketball that still fill out brackets and i'm sure 
Everyone out there does too. They have very hilarious ways of filling out their brackets. Sometimes they do mascots or which coach is more attractive has been a thing before that I've heard of. Um, There are a lot of ways to fill out a bracket, and that's uh, a very fun thing to do. Everyone usually partakes. So, again, Sports Call 2023 bracket is how you can enter uh, into our group on the ESPN Tournament Challenge. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 First up on the Auburn Bank phone line today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, my March Madness bracket to see um, if I'm going to win this year, and I think I am. All right. I like the confidence. Who you, who do you have winning the national championship? Um, The national championship will actually be Auburn winning the whole thing. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty gutsy there. Very bold. Yeah, because I've, I've – I have um I've been, you know, trying uh to fill out like, you know, before I filled out my bracket, I was just, you know, mess I was just like playing around with the bracket and uh seeing who was gonna win the championship. I had uh Gonzaga winning it, I had uh Duke winning it, you know, just to you know, see if those teams were gonna win it and I had to you know, clear out my bracket and and then I had to start all over, pick some of the teams I wanted to that I wanted to win the whole thing. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to probably see if Bruce Pearl would win the national championship because I think Auburn, I, I see a really good uh, qualifications coming out of Auburn's uh, basketball program this year. Uh, and with Bruce Pearl going back to the uh, tournament this, this time around, I think Auburn might have a good chance uh, of winning the uh, national championship uh, tournament as well. Well, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, they obviously were a much higher seed last year. We're not able to get out of the first weekend. They'll have to, if they are able to get through Iowa, they'll have to play one of the best teams in the country, in the Houston Cougars. Uh, Maybe, unless they uh, get upset. Yeah, uh, 16's only beaten the one once. Sure. I'm going to, I'll go out on a limb there, but it can, uh, it, can uh, it won't. Uh, so Houston would be who they played in the round of 32, and that's going to be a very difficult uh, game for anyone. Uh, and Auburn would have to to pull off a win that they've not quite pulled off this year. But uh, we'll see. Everyone has the the hopes and expectations, and uh, there's going to be some great upsets, and hopefully Auburn can pull some of them. Yes, that's why. Because I mean, with Auburn, um, I've I've been looking, you know, through the through the uh, you know the history of the Auburn men's basketball program, and and you know I've seen so many years that Auburn actually played. Uh, you know, great basketball, and one year stands out to me, and that was in 1993. Uh, I don't remember that one, but, I mean, that was the 93 season that Auburn actually had a good chance in a regular season, a chance to win their regular seasons in 93 and in 94 as well. I gotcha. Well, what else is on your mind today? Well, with the NFL, um, you know, trade deadline, which is today, um, I'm looking at uh, is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be going to the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm thinking he would be going to the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think he's going to. I I probably see the Las Vegas Raiders actually playing in a Super Bowl in Las Vegas in 2024 as well, and I mean, you know, with Derek Carr actually moving to uh, 
the New Orleans Saints. I'll, I'll probably see them actually, you know, trying to make some good adjustments as well with a, with a lot of different uh, free agency players and a lot of salary caps being put in place and seeing seeing what a lot of uh, teams are actually going to be looking for, um, you know, with with new team with the new players that are coming in from the NFL scouting combine as well. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up getting traded to the New York Jets? Um, that is a good question because I last couple of weeks and the week before last, I've heard a lot of uh, sources say that he, you know, he, he's trying to decide and trying to make up his mind if he wants to stay in Green Bay or go to a different team. And I'm thinking if it was me, if I was in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, I would have to say I will go with the New York Jets and and probably give them a chance as well and a good chance at that to make it to the Super Bowl as well because, I mean, the New York Jets, they've been to the Super Bowl many a times in their history's program as well. Has been a long time, though, uh, although Green Bay has not been to a Super Bowl in over a decade, uh, even with Aaron Rodgers. On the team, I believe they won it. What was it? Oh seven, oh oh nine, oh eight, somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that the the Jets are definitely uh, hoping for for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it would make them significantly better as they've not had good quarterback play, and it would be the end of an era for uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Been there a long time, and uh, I know that's a storyline the whole NFL world is watching. Yeah, that's all. Because I mean, if Aaron Rodgers do decide, if he if he decides. To go to uh, the Jets. I mean, they, they're really going to have a great season this year when uh, football season starts uh, sometime in uh, August. Well, you know, when they open up the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement uh, ceremony Hall of Fame game, uh, this coming up August, August 3rd, will be the New York Jets uh, facing against the Cleveland Browns. So that's going to be a great matchup. And one of the these are the two iconic uh, historic teams that has great history on both sides from both teams as well. And when you're looking at the Cleveland Browns, you're looking at so many iconic Browns players from the 50s, 60s, and 70s of that classic uh, Browns era as well. I saw this weekend, uh, James, that you wished our, our good friend Brooks Childress a happy birthday. And I know he's not on the show today, but he certainly appreciated your birthday message. Yeah, because I was, um, you know, I was under the weather. I, I had a huge headache from uh, watching so many uh, sports all at once, and it, it really gave me a huge headache as well. So um, I had to, you know, slide that in as well. Well, he certainly appreciated. What else is on your mind before we let you go today? Well, um, over the weekend, I was seeing uh, one of the Auburn uh, baseball players actually playing for uh, the Canadian team in the World Classic over uh, the weekend as well. And he, uh, I think he's a pitcher for uh, Canada. No, he's a hitter, uh, Edouard Julian, who uh, who hit a home run for Canada. Yeah, so he was. Um, I, I mean, when they actually said his name, I was like. Don't I know him? He plays for Auburn, and he's really good with uh, with you know playing with uh, with the World Series Classic. And I hope he's um, 
doing really good things up there in uh, Canada as well. Yep, hit a home run in their first game. I believe Team Canada plays the United States today in the World Baseball Classic. The U.S. lost last night pretty bad to Mexico. Mexico, Uh, So the U.S. needs a rebound, and Edouard Julian will be, uh, I'm sure, in that lineup for Canada. Yes, I saw because I was – I mean, this is like my first time ever watching the uh, World the world uh, classic baseball and uh you know seeing my team uh puerto rico actually we lost uh back to back uh so i don't know if we're going to make a bounce back uh tomorrow uh, no we don't play they don't play tomorrow they play wednesday so um they play wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday uh schedule and um i'm hoping that those games will be all wins for uh puerto rico as well I'm looking at the schedule, and it looks like uh, Puerto Rico has Israel tonight uh, at 6 o'clock on FS1, and then Puerto Rico does not play again till Wednesday when they play the Dominican Republic. Yeah, so I think uh, tonight would be um, – I think it's going to be a really uh, – I think it's going to be a really good night for Puerto Rico because I think they're playing that one at home in their home stadium and – yeah, I mean it's it's a really nice stadium in Puerto Rico as well for me as uh, for me as saying that as well because you know it, it, it's a great place to go and visit to actually see uh, baseball or basketball for you know for that country in uh, Puerto Rico as well. They're actually playing that one in uh, Lone Depot Park in Miami, uh, so that's uh, that's taking place in Miami. A, a lot of those games. Uh, I think Pool D is playing all those games in Miami, so Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, all those teams are playing in Miami. Yes, because I know um, last few years uh, when they did the World Classic, I know they did one. Uh, I know they did one in Puerto Rico, and it was um, it, it was a really nice one that they actually did as well. And I, I wish Puerto Rico the best of luck and uh, seeing them to to actually see them get to go to the uh, World Series uh, championship this year as well. We will see how they do. Well, James, as always, we appreciate you calling in, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I always appreciate James for calling into the show. We need to take our next time out. More sports call after this. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brain Daughtry, and Tom Peavy here with you today. Beautiful and cooler day. Tom, we've got the 60s here. You're, you're long-awaited. Although, not, it's not really what you were looking for in January. You were looking for like 40s and 50s. But it, This is probably going to be our last little blast of winter before it just gets unbearably scorching, yeah. deathly hot. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, lows are supposed to be down near freezing tonight and too freezing tomorrow. Um, I know you're our weather guy, so I've kind of just like taken the weather thing, but I, I think we're under like a freeze watch. Yeah. Right now, no, you're good. I mean, yeah. we're I'm all we're all reading stuff here, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, supposed to, supposed to get down close to freezing tonight and too freezing tomorrow. But this kind of happens in March. Uh, if anybody that was uh, you guys were not alive in 1993, but for any of the no, I was thinking about it though. Yeah, years away. Yeah, so uh, for <laughs> for the uh, I had no say in that at that yeah. time. For for the fo- for the folks like me and some of our older callers will remember what happened in March of 1993, and that was the the blizzard of '93. Uh, Definitely heard about it. Yeah, the blizzard of '93. That just I think the anniversary of that was yesterday. So. Not uncommon for this time of year to have bitter cold weather because we have literally had a blizzard this time. But, um, yeah, it's going to be really cold, but yeah, it'll be scorching hot, and you'll sweat out about two pounds here. Just, you know, give it a couple days. and Sounds good. I need to lose weight. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, we sprang forward this weekend. We did. Uh, lost an hour of sleep to most. Uh, gained an hour of uh, daylight on the back end. So we will look out of this studio, and it will still kind of be uh, light outside when we finish at six o'clock. Uh, and I'm good with that. Just let's, let's just. I, I know that there was something in Congress last year. I think it's about to happen at some point where uh, you, we won't keep just, changing the time. It just stays this way. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, I did see uh, last thing that I'm going to nerd out on, and then uh, birthdays and sports was I think it was the National Weather Service in Little Rock was talking about however when now that we've got this spring forward if you stay in that permanent state you're going to have like sunrise times in certain places at their worst through in the winter at like right. 8 30 and 9 a.m which would be kind of weird yeah. uh in some places I, I won't lie i'll give them that that's that's kind of weird uh but i am that i get better the later in the day i go right. if this was a 6 a.m talk show i simply would not be doing it uh, so I would not be capable of, of putting words together. And so I'm good with the daylight on the back end of things, so the front end. But I know there's a lot of people that get up, they run, they work out early before work and that sort of thing. And uh, that that that's a good point. If it's 8 a.m. and the sun's not up yet, you're at school, it'll be kind of weird. Uh, so I will give them that. All right, uh, before we do anything else, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Kicking things off today, Trent Dilfer turns 51. He's the head football coach of UAB. Former NFL quarterback, sixth overall pick in the 1994 draft of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of Fresno State. Also played for the Ravens, Seahawks, Browns, and 49ers. At Fresno State, Dilfer was two-time first-team all-whack. 1993 WAC Offensive Player of the Year, 
First team All-American, Sammy Baugh Trophy Award winner, 1997 Pro Bowler, apparently they couldn't find anyone else, and was a Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens. 2003 Bart Starr and Steve Largent Awards holds NFL playoff records for longest passing completion. That is sad at 96 yards. Someone needs to throw a 97-yarder. Uh, I just crapped on him, but I do love Trent Dilfer. Hope he succeeds at UAB, but uh, had his travails as an NFL quarterback. He turns 51 today. Marco Andretti turns 36, IndyCar driver. He's the grandson of Mario Andretti. Competed in other series, Formula E, which is in Argentina, International V8 Supercars Championship, uh, American Le Mans Series, Infinity Pro Series, 2005 Star Mazda Champion, uh, raced a little bit in the NASCAR Xfinity Series as well, 2006 Indy 500 and IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year, 2022 Camping World SRX Series Champion, Marco Andretti turns 36 today. Karan Butler turns 43, former small forward and current assistant coach with Miami Heat. 10th overall pick in the 2002 NBA Draft to the Heat out of UConn. Also played for the Los Angeles Lakers, Washington Wizards, Dallas Mavericks, Los Angeles Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, OKC Thunder, Detroit Pistons, uh, and Sacramento Kings has a lot of teams. At UConn, Butler was 2011 third-team All-Big East, 2002 Big East Player of the Year and first-team All-Big East, 2001 FIBA U21 gold medalist with Team USA. In the NBA, he was a two-time All-Star, 2003 All-Rookie, first-teamer, and 2011 champion. With the Mavericks, Karan Butler turns 43 today. And Johan Santana turns 44, pitcher trades to the Minnesota Twins from the Florida Marlins in the 1999 MLB Rule 5 draft. Spent eight seasons with the Twins and four with the New York Mets. Four-time All-Star, two-time American League Cy Young Award winner, three-time American League strikeout leader, three-time ERA leader, and 2006 MLB wins leader and triple crown holder, 2007 Gold Glove Award winner, threw a no-hitter on June 1st, 2012, and as in the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame, Johan Santana was one of the best lefties out there before his injuries. He turns 44 today again. Trent Delfer turns 51. Marco Andretti turns 36. Karan Butler turns 43. And Johan Santana turns 44 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Very good list right there. We got Kevin Ives coming up at, of uh, Plainsman Parking Lot at 4 o'clock. He will talk all things uh, Auburn baseball with us after a uh, rough weekend, uh, after winning the first game against Southeastern Louisiana, having gotten through the midweek contest against the likes of Jacksonville State and UAB, and then losing two to Southeastern Louisiana, a team Auburn thumped last year in the regional. So that means they did make the tournament. They did win their conference. Uh, and that goes to show you the weird things with college baseball at times. Uh, this weekend, also, Alabama, who had been undefeated, lost a series to Columbia. Yeah. And one of the games, they lost something like 15-3 to or 18-5, to something like that. Uh, lost by double digits in one of those games. So that's the freaky nature of uh, baseball. So we'll talk about, uh, talk about it with Kevin Ives, see how uh, legitimate the worries are. Obviously, the SEC... Uh, incredibly loaded, but but obviously, uh, as you mentioned in the open, you lose two in softball at Georgia. One of them was a heartbreaker. They had a 4-2 lead going in the seventh. Yep. Uh, and another one for Auburn baseball, you're down 8-2 going in the ninth and scored five and had the bases loaded. Uh, so Auburn almost pulled a rabbit out of the hat there and, and salvaged one, but nevertheless, two losses on the weekend there. Yeah, uh, disappointing uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, And that was the thing. They, the, the both teams got wins on Friday. So everything was looking good heading into Saturday. Just get one more 
and take the series because Auburn uh, Auburn won that one on Friday in softball. Yes, they yeah, did. Okay. They both I'm, did. Yep. I'm trying to. I was like, I'm they pretty not sure I remember this correctly because I don't have that pulled up in front. They of won me. like a six to five yeah. game or something like that. Yeah. Um, so both get the wins on Friday, and you're anticipating good things on Saturday, and no, both get swept. So, uh, you know, with baseball. One of the excuses that's going to be said is exhaustion, but uh, I mean, you you can only use that so much. I mean, you played two mid two midweek games right back to back, and then turn around and and play that Friday game. Uh, maybe some exhaustion was part of it, but uh, you know, it, you still got to play. I mean, that's the schedule. You've got to play these games, uh, and it's kind of a combination of uh the losses you know the pitching just not there right now and i know they're trying to work out some kinks and trying to get some guys healthy but uh just giving up a lot of runs uh and and eventually you're going to have those games where you don't have the run support to to keep up with it when you're when you're giving up so many so uh it's just one of those it, it is what it is and um they do happen it's unfortunate uh you just can't dwell on it i mean Auburn's going to have to figure things out as they move forward uh, because the season keeps going, you you can't sit there and dwell on the on the ones that you lost. You just got to keep moving forward and uh, start taking some series before you get into SEC play. Because once you get there, woof! I mean, right. it's it's tough. No, no I mean, weekends there, off. There's no yeah. weekends off because every team in the SEC uh, can whip you. And so yeah, you've got to get these while you can. Because if you want a chance to go to a regional, you can't have. Uh, a series loss against southeastern louisiana looming over you whenever you start talking about the if you if you find yourself kind of on that bubble of whether you get a regional or not a regional and you go back and you look at a series like a loss to southeastern louisiana it's like mm, that one might hurt so you got to start winning some so that that one ends up ultimately not mattering sure also going on right now around campus the continuation of spring football practice uh, was off last week for spring break uh, working towards that April 8th spring game. I think more details were announced. I think it's a 1 o'clock kickoff on April the 8th for the spring game. Uh, $10 admission for that. I think students get in free. Um, and so working towards that, uh, you've got uh, Hugh Freeze meeting with the media kind of as we speak. Uh, a couple of interesting things that want to hit on real quickly before we uh, run out of time here for the hour. Um Really like what he's saying about the proposed NCAA rule changes. We've talked a lot about that on the show this week. He said uh, when asked about the proposed rule changes, quote, we have such a great product. I think our game is as, is as exciting as any sport that's out there. I just hate to see us tinker with too many rules. Also went on to say if I can't control it, it's probably not worth me worrying about. Um, so I, I think that um, – Obviously, a lot's being made of kind of the equal reps right now in practice. That's something that uh, Hugh Freeze has been adamant about. They're not going to uh, deviate far from giving everyone a, a, a fair and an even look to start off with in the spring. They'll start to worry about uh, divvying up in a more uh, constructive way in the fall, how they start to project out the depth chart and, and give certain guys more reps than others. Uh, but... Uh, I guess was we just start to work work towards it here uh, and work towards spring game. Obviously, everyone's asking about QB, offensive line. Uh, a lot of questions on a team, Brant, for having come off a 5-7 and seven season. You come off uh, the Brian Harson era, and everything's just so new. It, it feels like there's a lot of things to 
uh, wonder about, even position groups or just how they're going to call plays and and what they're going to run and who they're going to run it with. That's why I even mentioned the equal reps thing. Maybe that's not very uncommon. I don't know. But just trying to get a lay of the land of how a new coach, new administration kind of kind of runs the ship even in something like spring ball yeah i think if you freeze was more familiar with this roster you would see him kind of break it up into ones twos and threes and so on and so forth down the depth chart but right now he doesn't know this team at all Uh, he doesn't really know the players that are on this roster so his move right now is we're going to look at everybody we're going to look at everybody equally and we're going to make more of those decisions in the break between spring and fall and once fall gets around they're going to break it up a little more evenly so if you are just terrified that T.J. Finley is going to be the starter at quarterback. Don't be terrified just yet, uh, even though you know we'll we'll see as we get closer to fall. But I'm just saying don't call in and tell us that you're panicking because there's no reason to panic yet if that's what your biggest fear is. But look, there is no clear-cut starter on this team yet. The starting quarterback may not be on the roster right now, uh, and Hugh Freeze has said as much. So moving forward, it'll be a battle at just about every spot, and the guys who are the best ought to come out on top. Yeah, I think when you're uh, looking at things, we're not going to get we're not going to get very many concrete answers on a roster. Look, you normally wouldn't uh, in just spring ball when you're still four or five months away from the actual games, but you will get some underlying answers with what happens with the portal, right? I mean, you'll yeah. see some guys, and this will go for all places. You'll see some guys that kind of de facto didn't end up where they thought they would in terms of reps or in terms of the perceived depth chart. Because, look, even though to the outside world you might not have a clear-cut sheet of paper that tells you how everything's laid out, when you're on that roster, you kind of feel it. And you, you kind of When you're working every day at practice, you, got, you kind of know where the coaches are leaning, even if the reps are more equal. Uh, that's about being on a team and kind of being at least somewhat self-aware. And so you'll see the guys uh, that we talked about start to hit the portal that are, are clearly not going to end up winning their jobs. And again, that could happen a few times at Auburn, but it always happens just about everywhere. We certainly talked about the quarterback element of it. And so it's just about uh, trying to learn each other. Uh, you've got guys that did not commit to play to Hugh Freeze that are, are now you know, giving it a go with him that, that committed to another coach. Maybe you're still old enough to have committed to Malzahn at one point. Uh, certainly a lot of guys that committed to Harson. And so, look, that does not mean there will be for sure a mass exodus. I don't expect a mass exodus, but you could still bleed a few out as every every uh, coach will tend to do after their first spring practice. Um, but, again, I, I think also the tone and credit to these great reporters that we have at Auburn uh, I'm using some of, of Nathan King's stuff right now with 247 and, and some of his uh, some of his tweeting of the press conference. And I think the, just the overall um, thing here is an up, upbeat mentality. Uh, not that the previous mentality can't work for other schools and or, or can't work uh, at all. There was a very much a serious nature to the previous um, coach and and to. Every player, just put your head down and work. Don't worry about anything but the ball. Just ball. Just work. Just work. Uh, and, look, you need a lot of work to succeed in the SEC. But also, uh, I think there's the understanding that you got to come at it from maybe a little bit more of a positive approach. Things are clearly not where Auburn wants them to be. Uh, being encouraged by little things such as work ethic and being encouraged by little things such as 
Um, Hugh Freeze was talking about the offensive line. He already feels like they are a group that he can trust on to put 100% effort. Look, I know these are baby things. These are baby steps. But, uh, again, the program went pretty far downhill. It was not just one bad season like in 2012. It was a couple years in a row of trending down and trending down into a place where Auburn should never be. Auburn should never miss a bowl game. So, again, not trying to give Freeze or, or the football team a tremendous amount of credit just for trying to right some incredible wrongs. But to get to where you want to go, to get to the big shebang, you got to start to do the little things right. You start to get got to get pleased with the foundational part of your program before you can start to elevate uh, into bigger successes. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter will join us to talk all things Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Dontry with me here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. And it's also a beautiful time to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Joining us right now uh, for our weekly conversation, Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. I uh, hope you enjoyed a lot of baseball this past weekend, although it was a tough one on Saturday. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. Yeah, yesterday was a little tough. Um, Auburn got swept in a doubleheader, ended up dropping the series to southeastern Louisiana. Um, it's a little tough game. You know, the, they started making a pretty big comeback in the um, ninth inning of that second game, but um, really just kind of ran in. You can kind of see a little bit of playing as many games as they had been in, in as few days. I mean, that was – I'd do the math real quick, but Auburn had a game Tuesday, Wednesday, the game Friday, and then two on Saturday – and then not to mention the series the weekend before. So you can kind of tell um, Auburn's a little banged up. Was against Cole, was without Cole Foster that second game. Um, was already without Bobby Pierce and Joseph Gonzalez. So had some key parts that were kind of missing. Um, still not an excuse that, um, to you know drop the series. Just I mean, I think you guys just look a little tired. But, you know, it, it's not something that, you know, you need to hit the panic button or anything. It just kind of happens. It's baseball. And, um if anything, it just kind of makes you hungrier as Auburn rolls into SEC play next weekend. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about with what their schedule lies ahead because I was just looking at that 
D1 Baseball Top 25, and it was a bit overwhelming. So we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But uh, we, we talked about the busy week last week at the start of last week with five games coming up in a six-day span, and it really became uh, five games in five days because of the doubleheader. So it was a very busy week for Auburn, uh, and, and they started out pretty strong in the midweek with the UAB and JSU games. And, of course, Auburn a little bit familiar with this southeastern Louisiana team because of last year, although, as always, there's roster turnover. Uh, but uh, but I guess you hit on it a little bit. Was it just kind of the culmination of a lot of baseball and a little amount of time that, that caught up to Auburn on the weekend or, or just kind of what in what went into uh, that, that doubleheader loss on Saturday? I think that was I think that was a big part of it. I mean, Auburn um, was without some arms they had kind of used up um, or used a lot of in the games leading up to that that Saturday series. And then you kind of it's kind of weird when you play those double headers for the series because that first game you you don't want it to kind of get out of hand and then you kind of left yourself in a hole for the second game. But really, Auburn just wasn't able to to generate enough offensively early. Um, and I think that put too much pressure on the pitching staff and uh, weren't really able to recover um, well enough to win those games. And so, yeah, I mean, part of it was the schedule. Part of it was that, I mean, this is still a good southeast Louisiana team. I know Auburn, um, you know, kind of really took care of business against them last year in the regional, but that team, that SLU team came in, like, missing nine pitchers. This year the team is, you know, is pretty much the same, but they've got all those pitchers back and then some, and, um, you know, they're already a pretty strong team to begin with. So, And honestly, I mean, that's kind of one of the, the beautiful things about baseball is that you, you can't really expect to win every game. You have to kind of – every game is going to be different. You kind of look, you know, Auburn dropped that series to, to SOU. Ultimately, Alabama drops their series to Columbia. Um, you know, there's upsets that happen all the time up and down the, um, up and down the country. And so I think it was just something to where, you know, Auburn may have run out a little bit of gas. May have just was not um, able to um, get on track offensively quick enough, and really had to rely on some guys that um, needed maybe a bit more experience and um, weren't used to seeing the kind of offense that SLU has. I mean, they were a really solid hitting team fundamentally, but when but they get on base, um, they are a team that's going to run a lot and put a lot of pressure on guys. Um, and so, if you have young pitchers that aren't used to um, guys that are going to constantly steal on them or um, use hit and runs to their advantage. You have to kind of get used to that, and it's something you just get with experience. So, uh, Kevin, one of the things that I always talk about, uh, and I mentioned this with uh, basketball early in the season, but I start try, before I start really trying to figure out how good or how bad a team is, I start looking for patterns and, and things like that. Um, with this baseball team, we're very, very early in the season, but have you been able to see some patterns, uh, positive patterns and some negative patterns uh, just from the little bit that you've been able to see? I don't think I've seen any negative patterns. I think that, um, you know, Auburn will sometimes get into a funk where they're, they're a little too aggressive at the plate sometimes, um, and so that means shorter counts, um, jumping on pitches a little earlier than maybe they need to be. But that will really level itself out, level itself out over time. Um, as you get more at bats, as you get more confidence, realize you don't have to press as much. Um, I've liked, you know, you know, as a maybe a good habit, the fact that Auburn um, has been able to kind of come back in games. You saw it um, a lot uh, the weekend before, you know, with the uh, walk-off wins um, and coming back in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Saw a little bit of that last weekend. Um, you know, I think that's knowing that offensively that. 
as long as you can kind of keep it close on the mound, your your team will kind of break through when they've um, you know seen when they've gotten that second or third at bat and gone through the lineup the second or third time. So I think that's you know really a positive to kind of look for. I think some roles have already been established. Um, you know, guys like uh, Will Cannon and John Armstrong are going to be leaned on a lot out of the pen. I think you're trying to still figure out who your you know go-to weekend guys are going to be. You haven't had Gonzalez for a couple weekends. Tommy Vale has been great in the midweek, but he's been in the midweek, and so you kind of want to see if he's going to move to a weekend rotation. Um, you want to see how a guy like Zach, Zach Crossfield develops as a freshman. Um, you know, he had a pretty good start on Friday, and so you – you kind of, I think those are kind of the, big, the bigger question marks. You want to kind of see, you know, who's going to be that rotation when it gets solidified. Um, and you want to see what this Auburn team is when they're fully healthy, when you've got everybody back that, that you're expecting to be back. Um, or even if it's one of those seasons where, you, where you're never going to be at full strength and you just kind of have to make do and everybody has to uh, just keep the link going and, and kind of, um, you know, do their part and, and play as a team. Talking to Kevin Ives right now at AUPP on Twitter here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. And, Kevin, we transition into the next week of baseball for Auburn. It's a big one, but let's start with the Tuesday game coming up inside of Plainsman Park. And uh, Auburn and Georgia Tech matching up, that's always a significant game. I think it's something that people want to see both in baseball and softball happen on a yearly basis, too really viable programs they are not far from one another. Talk a little bit about the meaning of, of what is a midweek game that traditionally midweek games are, are not the bigger opponents on a schedule, but a pretty significant midweek game and, and what this Georgia Tech team is like. I mean, it's, it's pretty big. It'll be a home-and-home home series. It'll be the last home game before Arkansas, um, you know, before you start SEC play. Um, it'll have a, some national coverage because it'll be the first game on the first – baseball game on SEC Network this season, um, if, I, if I remember right. And so um, it's going it's, it's to be a good game. Um, and you want to kind of see um, how Auburn adjusts from what happened Saturday. Um, if there's even a little bit more hangover, um, you, you really want to set the tone heading into SEC play. And this is pretty much your last tune-up for that. Um, because when you travel to Fayetteville, you're, I mean, you really have a tough task ahead of you. And I think, honestly, the goal for this week uh, and why this Tuesday game is so important is because just going as simple as 2-2 two and two this week is going to be huge for Auburn um, going forward. And I think that's, you know, the goal is to go 4-0, uh, but I think if you're able to just go 2-2 two, two and two, um, and kind of keep pace as you, as you progress through the season, it's going to be a big deal. And it's a team that Auburn's familiar with. You know, they play them a lot more frequently. Um, they had the, the regional up in Atlanta. Um, when you had the Stephen Williams heroics and stuff. And so the teams are very uh, comfortable with one another. They kind of know what to expect. Um, and so it's definitely going to be a good game on Tuesday. And um, like I said, you really want to kind of set the tone as you kind of transition fully into SEC play. And then looking ahead, as you mentioned, uh, a trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas this weekend to take on the Razorbacks. Uh, first of many tough SEC series. I was looking at this, Kevin. Six of the top seven in the country, according to D1 Baseball, are in the SEC. And I think it was something like six of the top 10 or 11 to start the year, but now it's even worse. It's six of the top seven, but Arkansas being in at number seven, uh, how good is this Razorback squad? And what is Auburn? What is a realistic expectation for what Auburn is going to try to accomplish this weekend? I mean, they're going to. They're going to have a tough task to begin with because Auburn has not taken a series from Arkansas since like 2017, 
and has not taken a series in Fayetteville since like 2014. And so it's been a long time. Um, and, you know, Auburn, you know, really kind of has their work cut out for them because Arkansas is a team that can really hit and they hit for power. Um, they've got power up and down the lineup and they've got really good starting pitching. I mean, they've got, um, the one of their guys, Will McIntyre, is SEC pitcher of the week and pitched a complete game last weekend when they swept a really, really good Louisiana Tech team um, at home. You maybe hope a little bit that that um, you know Arkansas has two midweek games themselves. Um, they've got they play a pair with UNLV coming up. You know, for me, selfishly, I kind of want those games to go as long as they can um, and and to get a little uh, tread on some of the tires for the the Arkansas pitchers and the Arkansas relievers. Um, you know, they kind of set you up a little bit more favorably in the weekend. But I think for Auburn, you know, realistically, yeah, you can take a series. I mean, I think this is the, the, the team that we've seen um, on the field for Auburn this year. I think they can beat anybody. They obviously can. Um, and I think some of the as the season progresses, you'll see some of these non-conference wins look better and better, like the USC series. You know, Auburn basically swept them, um, and then they take they turn around and take a series. Um, from Stanford, um, who was number two in the country at the time. And so I think for Auburn, the biggest thing is finding an identity on the mound, um, kind of limiting Arkansas on offense, and then just letting the letting the Auburn offense carry you a little bit um, and try to honestly don't make mistakes and be patient at the plate. I think that you're going to have a recipe for success. Uh, do we know the health status of Joseph Gonzalez, or, or what do we expect for, for him in the, in the short-term future? I think he's supposed to come back. I think he was held out this week as kind of one final precaution um, starting SEC play. I think Brian Matthews had written a little bit about that, and Jason Caldwell, I think, had mentioned it as well. And so he should be back. Now, I don't know how long he would pitch, um, and I think that all depends on you know his bullpens and his long tosses and, and what he's kind of been working up to. Um, so I think he's supposed to be back, and I, and I would think that everybody that you're kind of expecting back should be healthy. I'm not sure what um, uh, Bobby Pierce's status is. Um, and Cole Foster just had an abdominal thing on Saturday, and so you hope that's not something more serious. But um, I would hope and I, I would think those guys would be back, but you won't really know until um, you kind of get the final medical report on Thursday and Friday uh, when you're going through it. But even if they don't play – um, and even if Auburn's without him, you still have to find a way to win. You still have to suit up, you know, nine guys and, and go out and compete because, you know, like we've said and, you know, like it's pretty evident, it's not going to get any easier in the SEC. Um, and so now you, you really kind of um, – you're going to have your foot to the fire a bit. Kevin, looking at uh, a couple of individual players on Auburn's team right now, of course, Ike Irish, guy that everybody talks about, true freshman, uh, recruited in as, as a catcher, but uh, it seems like he has uh, maybe found a home over there at first base, at least for now. But I mean, what do you think the future is for Ike Irish as far as position play? And uh, obviously, we know he can he can actually tater the ball, but position wise, you see him staying at first, maybe eventually being catcher or, or just a DH. I think he. I think for the, maybe the. I mean, this year at least, um, he's probably going to rotate and swap between DH and first base because Auburn is already so deep at catcher with Nate Larue and Ryan Dial and Carter Wright. So you're already three deep there. I don't know. I think it'd be more of the approach that Auburn took with Stephen Williams um, when he was at Auburn um, and was highly touted and highly recruited. Um, and is a really really good player. And so you'll find a place for him on the field. Try a couple different positions. Um, and then you kind of see what your roster looks like in, in Ike's like sophomore and junior season. 
to see if that, that need is, um, you know, for him to be a catcher and for him to be behind the plate. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, if he if he transitions to a catcher and um, and is and kind of stays a catcher his sophomore and especially his junior year, um, if he continues to hit the level that he's gonna, that he's hitting at, then he's going to be on the um, Buster Posey watch list, which goes to the the best catcher in the in the country. And so, it really is going to depend on what other pieces are going to be around him and what the needs are for Auburn and where he can kind of fit in there. And so, um, catcher is one of those positions at, at baseball and at college baseball level where it's not going to be just one guy all the time with the amount of games that you're playing in the short period of time um, and the wear on these guys. Like you're going to get some, you're going to end up using throughout the year um, at least two to three um, and sometimes even four catchers. And um, like I said, for freshman year, I, I don't know if we'll see him as much a catcher. Um, but we'll have to see what happens next year. Yep. Uh, and, and then finally, uh, Chris Stanfield, a, a, a kid that has really kind of come into his own. Has, has he turned into a guy that, that you feel like Butch Thompson just has to find a spot out on the field? and you know, he, A guy that you just can't have sitting in the dugout. He's got to be in there doing something. They'll find something for him. I mean, and I think that I think one of the benefits of, of being so deep um, as a team and him kind of emerging um, – in those roles, he, and he's been able to play. You know, he can play every outfield position, um, and it kind of allows you to mix and match, and it allows you to replace, um, you know, having an injury to your, your guy who's going to be your everyday first baseman. It looks like in Cooper McMurray, um, and can can move people around. And so, when everybody's fully healthy, I, I don't know what the lineup would look like at that point. If you maybe move Chris to a DH, um, you know, maybe move put I could catcher, but they'll try to find a way. I think to keep him uh, in the lineup because he's really turned into a very, very key part uh, in these games that he's kind of filled in and uh, started, and you, and you already kind of see um, how comfortable he is at the plate and in the field. Um, and so he's ready to play right now. And um, I think you know Butch Thompson and Gabe Gross, especially, will try to figure out a way to utilize him as, as best as possible. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Kevin Ives at AUPPL to follow him on Twitter. Kevin, I hope you have another great week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Kevin Ives joining us on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Always appreciate Kevin for taking time out of his day to talk to us about Auburn baseball. All right, we as we go to break, we do have a giveaway for you. We talked a little bit about that Auburn and Georgia Tech game. If you want to go to the Auburn and Georgia Tech game inside of Plainsman Park tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, we have two free tickets for you right now. 334-887-3401 to call in and claim your two tickets to Auburn and Georgia Tech baseball tomorrow night inside of Plainsman Park. Again, 334-887-3401. We need to take our next time out. More sports call coming up after this. Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Let's get back to sports call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on this beautiful Monday. Ryan Lloyd, Tom Peavy, and Brent Daughtry with me. Again, big thanks to Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter for joining us to talk some Auburn baseball. Big week ahead for the Tigers as they open up SEC play, but also welcome in the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets tomorrow inside of Plainsman Park. So pretty big week for the Tigers. Was a little disappointing for them. Drop a couple of southeastern Louisiana on the tail end of that, but it will be a new week and it will be uh, a lot of new challenges, that's for sure. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good, gentlemen. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ryan. Uh, good afternoon to, to uh, is it Tom and my Brent. Yes, sir. Okay, so, quote, at least for me, of the uh, I guess, uh, NCAA upcoming tournament, so, Auburn gets to play in Birmingham. I guess we should have been a nine seed. Yeah, Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson, Sampson yep. said that. Yeah, God, oh boy. Oh boy. I, when I when I saw, I'm watching him looking at he's looking at one of his players to do a press conference first to have said that uh, as a compliment to Auburn, I guess. But uh, of course, you know he, he's a little myth. But then he's also assuming that we get to play them, right? Right. Well, yeah. I mean that part of it too. Auburn's got to got to get through the first game. And uh, but but clearly, as a one seed, you do not have to, or you usually do not expect to have to deal with something like that. Okay, well, let's be completely contextual here. Uh, all they got to do is win, and if they win, guess what? The national championship is in where? Not in Birmingham, but in Houston, Texas. Right. I mean, those are pre-planned by the by the NCAA. Obviously, they're big big sites like that, but. Uh, you know, still, you have to win a lot of games to get there. I think that part of the benefit of being a one seed is that you you get to have a regional final kind of close to where you are, and ideally, you're not playing someone uh, else that's very close to home. So, I, I, I 100% understand why he's upset. Okay, so let him be upset. We've been screwed many times as well. Uh, at least we didn't have to go to Santa Barbara or Denver. So, uh, having said that, guys, uh, I've been reading comments from bloggers uh, on Bama sites that uh, 247 Sports Auburn people have been, uh, I guess, posting. And I find it hilarious. Uh, you know, of course, Alabama's going to be playing the first uh, game ahead of us. And apparently people on the Bama side are, are encouraging uh, their ticket uh, holders to go ahead and uh, attend the uh, second round, which is one that we played 550. But then I'm saying, wait a minute, they got the kind of money to spend? Because you have to pay to uh, stay for the second uh, game, uh, just to harass us. Wow. We apparently uh, seem to be a great deal on Alabama's minds, right? Well, I mean, I think that that speaks to um, how much hatred is there both ways and uh, the big rivalry that it is. And I I, I don't think it will be an overwhelming amount of people to do that. But, yeah, I do think some uh, will pay for both sessions and, and try to do that. And, uh, I, I can try and think of you know other examples, maybe not to that degree, but uh, of of other teams. You know, whoever the leading fan base is uh, in terms of the highest seed at some of these sites, yeah, they do stick around for other sessions. I've seen Kentucky people do it before, and and other people. Obviously, the extra element here is that it's both Alabama and Auburn at one site. But uh, but yeah, I think a few will do that. It wouldn't surprise me and. Yeah, it is a lot of money, but if that's what they want to do with it, that's their prerogative. Yeah, before we go any further on that, uh, 
I enjoyed hearing the comments from Mr. Oz. I, I'm still, uh, I, I guess I take from his comments, we shouldn't be that concerned, but darn, um, shouldn't be losing to Southeast Louisiana at home. And uh, I turned the game off uh, when it was, uh, I think it was 8-3. to three, And then I read that the bases were loaded in the bottom of the ninth. We had actually a real chance to win the game. Is that right, guys? Yeah, they yeah. they got it to uh, they got it to eight to seven and loaded the bases again. So I mean they had uh, done a I lot choke. a lot. Well, I mean I wouldn't classify that as a choke when you're down eight to three. Yeah, I mean it was a hell of a hell of a don't do that. I mean bases it was loaded. Yeah, I mean it, it was a hell of a comeback, and I mean they they fell short. But uh, like Kevin Ives just said, uh, that's not anything to hit the panic button over. Yeah, it's disappointing. You hate that they lost that series and. You know, it's something that you hope doesn't come back to bite Auburn in the butt later on when you start looking at postseason. But these things happen. Uh, like we talked about, Alabama lost a series to Columbia, and I mean they were undefeated at the time. I saw that. Yeah, and it, but Tennessee has lost not this year, but I mean, you know, you look. No, at this that, year they lost a couple of weird ones. Yeah, no, it was last year they didn't lose any. This year they oh, lost oh, three or four well, already. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so there you go. I mean, it's baseball. People lose games. I mean, it it's unfortunate. It stinks. You, you just got to bounce back from it. But I mean, it's not like you know. You also you also have to remember this, Steve. As much as we want Auburn to be World Series, College World Series champions, everything that they there's a reason that people picked them at the bottom of the SEC this year, and there's a reason that they were not even sniffing the top twenty five in preseason polls for the most part. Um, they're not looked at as a very good team. So, I mean, you have to expect that there's going to be a few losses along the way. You just hope it's not to southeastern Louisiana, but, you know, they, it, it happens. It's why it's just it's kind of part of baseball. I understand. And uh, I read the comments from Nathan King, I believe, and maybe Jason Caldwell. We've had three of our best players, you know, out, not being able to yep. play. Uh, but it happens to a lot of teams as well. But I thought we had a pretty good uh, – depth and a pretty good roster of players but you're saying otherwise we're at the bottom talent level wise well, in the in the sec i mean they're they're going to be toward i mean i don't know if you heard it heard it steve but uh, six of the top seven teams in the country are from the sec yeah, not, i right. mean that, that's yeah. nothing to trifle with so it's not like auburn's not a talented team they are that that can be true but it also can be true that they're still in the bottom half of the conference in terms of talent because of how damn good the conference is Wow. Okay. Because I, I mean, I'm impressed by people like uh, Ike Irish. Yeah. Um, oh, he's damn. Yeah, he's Cole very Foster. good. Foster. Yeah, Bryson Ware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bryson Ware. So I mean, uh, I guess other teams must have a lot more of those kind of players. And then the softball team guys. Do we need to be concerned about them? Because I, you know, we had a chance to win that game at, at Georgia. We won the first one, and the second one definitely should have been won by us. And to me, I, I'm wondering about what happened to. Uh, our star pitcher, uh, and a home run. Right. The uh, Matty Pena giving up a, a home run Isn't in the any? seventh there uh, to, to tie the game at four. Um, yeah, you know, obviously she had been uh, literally perfect up until this past week. She had a 0-0 ERA. Uh, no one finishes that way, however, though. Uh, I mean, there, there was bound to be a few runs at some point. I think the I think the thing to monitor with softball is making sure they score enough runs on a consistent basis. They obviously did a tremendous job of scoring in the non-conference, uh, but they are a big home run hitting team, and so there's going to be some dry spells where the home runs don't come. And what what does Auburn? How do they operate when they when they don't hit them? Because sometimes home run hitting teams 
can't score when, when they don't hit a home run. So I don't think the offense is anywhere near what it was a few years ago when they were scoring one run a game every single game. I mean, that was that was bad. I think they're far better than that. But they are going to have some games where they don't hit those home runs. So what do they do in those games? That's going to be a big question. Um, I know that you know uh, Mickey Dean got a three-year extension, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, multi. It might have been four, but yeah, it was a, it was a multi-year yeah. extension. Yes. And yet, I'm reading over the weekend. People are calling uh, for his being fired, which is ridiculous. Uh, people saying he's not the answer. Oh, what's your guys' take on uh, uh, Coach Dean? For softball uh, coach, I, I, um, I mean, he's making some improvements on on the hitting side, and that's the main thing. He he, we, he was always a great pitching coach. Um, he was that way at James Madison, and um, you know, people long for the days of of the teams that we had under under the Myers, and you know, you may not get that just yet. He's trying to work that way. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, people people want the best, and when it's not happening, then you're going to have people calling for for a change and, and this team has not been successful uh on, on a championship level since uh the myers led uh tenure ended and uh people want that they want championship play and when they're not getting it they're going to call for people's heads i think that's still premature i want to see uh if this team can continue uh hitting the ball well i want to see him recruiting at the highest levels and then you see but i, I think it's still premature to call for his job just yet Okay, and, you know, it doesn't get any easier for us or any other SEC teams because you know who is coming to the SEC in 2024, and they have the industrial complex, Oklahoma. And that's someone Auburn will play this weekend, by the way. They're going to play them twice. Yep. So, I mean, it just doesn't get any easier uh, for anything associated with Auburn softball or baseball, apparently. Yep, it's difficult. So, about this upcoming game, guys, you know, the line opened up with Auburn favored. Now it's swung over. I guess you know that, right? Tyrell being favored. Uh, I, I I still had on the app Auburn was favored by one, but but uh, maybe there's I don't different lines and different sites. I don't know. Okay, well, I don't know what site. Um, Ryan, I went to Vegas Insider uh, earlier today, and they have now that uh, Iowa's favored by one to one and a half points. Gotcha. Um, you know, I, I, I just had the good old traditional ESPN app, which is not going to be as – maybe up-to-date as, as those betting sites are. So I, I believe you. It's just uh, what I'm looking at. I've still got uh, Auburn favored by one if anyone looks at it on the ESPN app right now. So I was reading some of the stats about Iowa. Of course, I didn't know that uh, one of the assistant coaches at Iowa, until I read this from uh, Jason Caldwell, uh, had, uh, had been, uh, I guess, an assistant uh, somehow, uh, anyway, on the coaching staff under uh, Coach Pearl. Uh, did you know that? Uh, I knew. Matt Catons. Okay, I did not. I did not know about that. I knew that yeah, Pearl we, had ties to Iowa, but uh, yeah, I knew that. Right. But said, Iowa assistant coach Matt G A T E N S Gatons previously worked on Pearl staff at Auburn as a graduate assistant during the 2017-18 season. But what I found funny about this, apparently, uh, this comes from Coach Pearl today. He said, "I've already texted Matt and told him I've changed all the play calls and I've changed all my signals, and we're not running that anymore." Hope so, because that got yeah. Auburn in trouble against Texas A&M. <laughs> yeah. Hope so. So I thought that that was pretty fun. So about this Iowa team, guys, I know very little about them, and so I read some uh, stats. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen the, the stats about Iowa uh, from Ken Palm and how they rank uh, offensively versus how they rank defensively. Have you seen uh, all those rankings? 
I haven't, but I know the gist of it is that I was a good offensive team and not a particularly good defensive team. Right. This is how bad they are defensively. Apparently, they're ranked 333rd nationally in allowing the opposition to shoot, which is 47.4% from the floor for this season. He says it's the worst of any Power 5 team in the country. The next closest worst team is Louisville. Yeah. Who went 4-28. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's not I a know. good team. Yikes. Yeah, and so then, that's not good. It gets even uh, better here, uh, at least for us. Uh, this season, the Hawkeyes are allowing teams to make 36.6% of three-pointers, which ranks where? 316th nationally My and good. last among Power 5 schools. Uh, he goes on to say you have to go all the way up to 283 to find Minnesota on the list. Well, you know, and and that's a terrible stat, but Auburn doesn't shoot the three very well at all. Auburn Can they actually take advantage of it? Yeah, I mean, can they take advantage of it? That's one thing, but, I mean, Auburn gets open looks all the time and can't knock them down. Now, here's the troubling part. Uh, offensively, uh, they are ranked in assists 11th nationally. In mm-hmm. turnovers, they're ranked 12th nationally. Yeah, only nine and a half turnovers a game, yeah. Yeah. And then they're ranked 14th nationally in points per game, which is 80.2. Yep, they can score. I mean, they're a good offense, for sure. So, uh, your best uh, sense of this, guys, you know, is this going to be a nail-biter? Or does Auburn somehow, you know, uh, play better than, than maybe they did in the first round of the SEC tournament? Did they play like we did against uh, Tennessee? And then I've read some uh, people who know, like, compared a lot, more than I do about basketball, saying that Iowa is comparable to Missouri, who we beat pretty soundly, uh, if I remember correctly. But what's your what's your sense about this matchup, guys? Yeah. Well, the first of all, and we mentioned this, yeah, Auburn beat Missouri soundly. Auburn also beat Missouri here in Neville Arena, and Auburn has not won a game outside of Neville Arena since November twenty first. I'm sorry, January twenty first. Um, my take on this game is just because of the way Auburn plays, and just from what I've seen from Auburn down the stretch. It's going to be a nail-biter down to the end. It could go either way. Um, I don't know which Auburn team is going to show up. Is it the Auburn team that got up 17 points at Alabama, or is it the Auburn team that allowed Alabama to come back from 17? Is it the Auburn team that was just getting absolutely blasted by Arkansas, or is it the Auburn team that rallied back and took the lead in the uh, late in the second half? I don't know what I'm going to get from Auburn from day to day. They, they are woefully inconsistent with what they do. So, well, I, in in that case, I'm going to think it's a nail biter. I think Auburn can win against Iowa. I um, I think they're both very evenly matched teams. I think the matchup, uh, it kind of goes in favor of Auburn, maybe a little bit because Auburn's going to be bigger, and that's crazy to say because the tallest guy on Iowa, the tallest guy all Iowa has is six nine, so Auburn can go bigger, but. You know, I don't know. I, I I think there's some advantages to Auburn, but I, I Iowa lights it up from outside the arc. They hit a lot of threes, and I don't know that Auburn can keep up with that. But um, it, it's hard to say just because of how inconsistent Auburn plays. I, I don't know what version of the Auburn Tigers we're going to see when they play each other. Yeah, and, you know, when you say it could be a nail-biter, that doesn't bode well, at least from, from, from my perspective, because – we haven't done too well in uh, nail biters, have we? No, Auburn. That's the other part of it. Auburn struggles to finish games. Again, you 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 blow a seventeen point lead at Alabama, which is just inconceivable that that you do that. Um, 
you you rally back against Arkansas there in the first round. You take the lead, but then you immediately give up a bucket and then come down the floor and turn it over, and, and you know just can't get yourself figured out from that so no Auburn struggles to close out games and and so yeah if it's a nail biter down to the end I'm going to be worried because Auburn struggles at closing out now you do know that uh, coach Pearl's record is 10 and 1 uh in the NCAA tournaments on the first round right yes very good record yeah right usually usually against some pretty bad teams though that so this is this is going to be interesting because they're such even yeah we never we never have been a nine seed uh but just to close this out According to Nathan King, uh, these stats come from him from 247 Sports. When Auburn has the ball, he says Auburn has the advantage, according to stats, in Ken Palm. And then uh, when it comes to uh, Auburn scoring, uh, advantage, he says Auburn, because Iowa's opponent's scoring rate is abysmal, 240th. Uh, when it comes to Auburn's offensive rebounding, advantage Auburn, because Iowa's offensive rebounding defense is 143rd. When it comes to free throws, his what, what bothers me. Advantage Iowa. Uh, Iowa is apparently, I think they're 78% uh, at the free throw. They have 70, some really good free 74, throws. 74. 74. 74? Yeah. yeah. They, they uh, shoot the ball really well. Yeah, they, so they're not going to miss very free throws. So fouling them is not going to uh, help us any. And then we've got to worry about Mr. Kyler Murray. And then they have two brothers, I didn't know that, who are the sons of the head coach. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Chris Murray is who the the leading scorer for Iowa is, and then Chris yeah, Murray, yeah, they've got okay. two McCaffreys. Yeah, Fran McCaffrey's sons. Yep. And then I read that Mr. McCaffrey is apparently uh, they said a copper version of Mr. Knight in Indiana with with his aggressiveness and uh, losing his temper. Is that right? Oh, Fran McCaffrey is a hothead. Yeah. Uh, he is absolutely. I, I could go on an, an irrational amount of time about about how irritable he gets on the sidelines. But obviously, he's won a lot of games. But but yes, he he does not have a great control of temper. Okay. Yeah. Well, Steve, uh, Steve, I'm going to jump in here. Here's the thing, though: Auburn may have the advantage on the stat sheet rebounding wise. But if Auburn has the same effort in rebounding that they did against Arkansas, then they're going to get their butts kicked because Arkansas absolutely dominated Auburn on the boards. And there were times that Arkansas had Auburn dudes boxed out, and it was like Auburn wasn't even making an effort or just a very lackadaisical effort to get rebounds. So if if they play that way, then I don't care that Auburn may have a statistical advantage rebounding you got to give the effort, and and I I saw a lot of lackadaisical play on the boards against Arkansas. And don't they have a bit of advantage when it comes to height and and uh, having uh, their bigs having their, a lot a lot uh, greater reach? I, my my understanding, what I saw is their tallest player is only six nine. Yeah, they've got a six nine forward. Murray six eight. Sandefort six seven. So they so, don't have anyone quite as big as Broom. They've got two right. or three guys around six we, eight. You, Last thing for us, Steve, and then we got to let you go and take a next break. Okay, guys, any of you gentlemen going to be able to go to the game? Uh, working on that detail at the moment, no. But uh, we we will see. Uh, we'll have a sports call that day, so that will have a lot to do with it. But uh, but yeah, we're working on that. So we will be a full. Fourth call on Thursday? Not quite full. I think we're going to cut off at 5 o'clock because that's when the uh, the broadcast will start on FM Talk 93.9 uh, and let everyone tune into that at 5. But, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll, there will be some sort of sports call. Okay, thanks for letting me know that because usually the uh, 
uh, Auburn uh, pregame show for basketball is like a half hour before the game starts. So it'll be a full hour almost? Yeah, it'll be 50, yeah, 50 minutes this time. Yep. Okay, do you know if Sonny Smith will be there? Uh, I do not know that. I, I think since it's in the state of Alabama, there's a pretty good chance he will be, but I, I don't know that for a fact. All right. Guys, as always, you do an excellent job uh, of taking my questions and listening and putting up with my rambling, so I appreciate that. Thanks for your time. My time is now way up, so you have a relaxing afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll talk again tomorrow. Maybe I'll make better sense. So until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate you calling in, as always. That's Retire Ward AM Steve. Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line one final time out before we wrap up hour number two. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Brain Daughtry, Tom. PV with you. Appreciate Retire Word AMC for joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. You want to give us a call today, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Just a couple minutes left in this hour, though. In hour number three, we'll have best and worst of the weekend and a more complete breakdown of, of the brackets and some of the other regionals, what we thought the tournament committee got right and wrong, see if there's any criticisms of them. Also want to remind you, so tomorrow was supposed to be the return of Town Name Tuesday, and I just used the past tense, but but hang in there with me. So we have a very shortened show tomorrow because of our debut of Beauregard High School Baseball right here in Tiger 95.9. The airtime for that is going to be around 4.15 or 4.20. So we only have an hour show tomorrow. And so we will do Town Name Tuesday on Wednesday, and we will call it kind of a Town Name Tuesday Wacky Wednesday crossover. And so we will still have that. It will be on Wednesday, though, not Tuesday Again, we'll go through a bunch of fun town names. We'll tell you if it's from this state or from another or from one state or the other. Uh, I will leave it secret so people cannot do the research yet. Uh, but the hint is that it will involve uh, the NCAA tournament in some way. So uh, we will be doing that on Wednesday, not tomorrow. It'll be a little wacky, and that's why it'll be a wacky Wednesday and a town name Tuesday crossover. But again, a couple minutes left in hour number two right here. A lot of basketball talk. Uh, again, we, we've been previewing – um, Auburn, Iowa, pre- preliminarily. There's so much, though, to look forward to uh, on these days. You've got first four action over the next couple of nights. Uh, I, I mean, just a, a lot you could go through with the NCAA tournament. I guess in a, in a quick minute or two, Brant, here, we'll go ahead and, and say, did you have anything in particular you thought the committee got incredibly wrong, incredibly right, or just, just anything that, that stood out to you? I really love all of the 8-9 matchups, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I remember looking at, as they were revealing the bracket, I was going, man, that's a really good game. Man, that's a really good game. And it ends up all four of them, all four of the 8-9 games are really, really good games, Auburn being included. The other thing that was interesting to me is Texas A&M, the second team in the SEC, really good year this year, and they're a seven seed. That is, that's kind of brutal to be as good as A&M was, had a chance to win the SEC, 
and and they get stuck on the seven line. That's that's kind of brutal. So you know, I, I think it goes to show that yeah, the SEC was a little bit weak this year, but still, I think that's kind of uh, unfortunate for Texas A and M. Yeah, the other eight nines: Maryland and West Virginia, Memphis, Florida Atlantic. That's about to be an AAC game in a couple of years. Obviously, the Auburn and Iowa game, and then you got Arkansas and Illinois. So yeah, a lot of a lot of fun teams there with maybe some unfulfilled expectations or teams like West Virginia that beat like five or had like five or six quad one wins. Uh, so some interesting teams there, and yeah, you're right about Texas A&M. That was something I was going to bring up. Is uh, I don't know if someone went to UT on the committee or <laughs> or what, but that's two years in a row where A&M uh, felt like they got undervalued. Of course, this undervalue a lot more uh, easy to deal with than last year's undervaluation, where they completely did not make the NCAA tournament. But we'll talk a lot more about that coming up in hour number three. We'll talk about some of those other regions some of our early favorites uh for the ncaa tournament things we're looking out forward to all that coming up in hour number three stay tuned more sports call after this time out Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dauntry with you here talking all things NCAA tournament as the selection show revealed the 68 teams into March Madness starting, well, tomorrow with the first four. Obviously, Alabama and Auburn both getting the opportunity to play different regions, but still starting out in Birmingham on Thursday. So excited about that. We'll talk more about the bracket as we go through today and the rest of the week. But for now, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up on the show today, Luke from Alex City. Luke joins us. Luke, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, I heard you talking about Texas A&M. I certainly don't think it's anything because the SEC is weak. I mean, in fact, the SEC got a record number of teams in the tournament and arguably should have won more in Vanderbilt. Uh, I don't know that I would have put Vandy in unless they made at least the SEC championship game, but a lot of people were certainly um, politicking for the Commodores to get in, and that would have given the SEC nine teams. I think the real reason A&M got put at a seven has nothing to do with anything they did in the league. In fact, that's probably why they're as high as they are. It's more about their pretty putrid non-conference schedule. Um, you know, they maybe arguably their best game that they played uh, was either Boise State or Memphis. Both of them made the tournament, but A&M lost to both of them. Uh, they had a uh, stretch in there where I think they lost to Wofford and, and – 
some other team, maybe out of Louisiana, that you know, not LSU. I mean, it was somebody really bad. And I don't. So I think it's more about the message, just like they tried to give them a message last year. You know, A and M probably would have made the NCAA last year if they had a tough non-conference schedule, but they decided not to do that. They decided to play a weaker non-conference schedule. And the problem with that is, when you win, it doesn't count as much, and when you lose, it counts a lot. Um, which is vice versa if you uh, schedule a, a difficult slate. So I, I think it's more about their schedule rather than anything to do with the league because, frankly, the SEC is pretty doggone good this year. Well, I, I don't think, uh, although certainly their uh, non-conference teams ended up uh, not having good seasons, I think by and large part they had some some teams that have had their turns of being quality on there. Uh, they played the likes of uh, just all within the last few years. Think of some of these teams' runs: uh, Murray State, Colorado, Loyola, Chicago, DePaul, SMU. Uh, as you mentioned, Boise State, Oregon State, Memphis. Uh, they did lose to Wofford, and then they had their two or three in their Northwestern State Prairie View that are bad uh, and always bad. But some of those teams have had. I, I mean, I can think of SMU just a couple of years ago having 24, 25 win teams, and uh, certainly some major conference teams in there. Uh, like Colorado, Oregon State. So I know that they ultimately failed this season, but I don't think that they completely tried to have a, a nothing burger in the non-conference. And I, I agree that, that that's obviously what it, it had to have been what's hurt them because there would not be another uh, logical explanation. But I also think that the committee uh, at times is guilty of not uh, realizing that teams get better throughout the year. Uh, and at times maybe undervaluing the finish to the year. I know it can't count more, but it certainly certainly shouldn't count less. So I still think that A&M uh, gets a little, has gotten a little bit undervalued uh, relative to the fact that, yes, they, they clearly had a non-conference schedule that, that's nothing to be proud of, but at the same time, that's, that's, they clearly improved and did important things the, the other 18 to 20 games of the year. You know, the only counter to that, when you think about, I mean, you mentioned SMU, and their SMU is not awful, but they did lose their best player who moved on to play for Memphis, ironically. Um, but some of these other teams, like if you're going to schedule a in Chicago, I mean, yeah, that would have helped your net and RPI and Tim Paul and everything else a few years ago. But it's not going to help it now. I mean, you've got to know Loyola Chicago is not going to be a perennial power. And I, th- I think, look, this goes back to 2001. Alabama was left out of the tournament. I think they were 21 and nine, and they had a terrible non-conference schedule. In fact, I think their best non-conference win was over like Denny Crum's last Louisville team, which was awful. And they actually beat Georgia head to head that year. And Georgia got in with something like a 16 and 13 or 16 and 14 record, even though Alabama either beat them once or twice. And uh, Alabama actually went further in the SEC tournament than they did. And the reason was the committee said, look, we're, we're telling Alabama and everybody, if you don't play anybody, we're not going to put you in. And if it's, a, you know, if it's close. And um, I think Texas A&M needs to learn from that. And they didn't learn from it last year. I mean, some of those games aren't awful, but they, they, it's better to go the other way, to overschedule versus to underschedule if you're thinking there's going to be, you know, it's going to be close at the end. And I think you're right. Look, Texas A&M is definitely better than a 7 seed. I mean, nobody's going to argue that. I think that they are, boy, I'd hate to be uh, Penn State and be the 10 seed playing Texas A&M. In fact, I think it's kind of a screwy matchup because I think Penn State's better than a 10 seed as well. I mean, they just 
gave Purdue all they wanted in the Big Ten Championship. But regardless, I think it's all about trying to, you know, the committee trying to get these teams to schedule better so we have more fun games in the regular season. Right, and and again, I I think that you're you're right in that. That's clearly what it was because the other stuff, you know, the, you you wouldn't be able to have a great argument for it. But as with with anything that the committee does when they're putting sixty eight teams, I could go and point to examples where they then you know counteract themselves. For example, I, I don't know where you stand on this. Maybe maybe you support Houston being the number two overall seed. Maybe you believe it should be Kansas. But you know, Kansas had. Uh, a million quad one games to Houston only having a handful, handful uh, and they opted Houston as the number two overall uh, seed and, and, and Kansas the third. That That's not incredibly consequential. It does factor in where they play the regional, which matters to, to Kansas and Houston a little bit. But, you know, they they in that instance said, oh, we don't really care that, that Kansas has – uh, uh, like 17 quad one games or whatever it was. They have more losses, and, and we're going to keep Houston there. So it, it feels like they still, even within the same tournament, you know, they it's a very case-by-case basis. They don't necessarily stay true uh, in every every event, although, like you're saying, you know, with A&M, that, that would be two years in a row they did it uh, in that m- manner for them. Yeah, and look, I would have put Kansas number two as well. I don't know why exactly they felt the need, especially if you're going to, make it where Houston has to go to Birmingham and then ultimately maybe play Auburn. I I don't understand how Houston even comes out on top in this scenario. So, I mean, why don't you make uh, – I don't know. Again, there's a lot of things you could do, and it's a lot of finagling in a very short period of time. And so, I mean, maybe we should give them more credit. But uh, I, I feel like they – you know, again, every year you've got – some people that argue one way or the other, but just wait until they make it 96 teams and then see how much arguing we do. Right. Uh, you, you can go from 68 arguments to 96, and then a few for the still the first four that, that got left out. Uh, Luke, are you going to head to the games in, in uh, Birmingham, check out Alabama on Thursday? I don't think I will Thursday, but I think I'll, I'm you know assuming Saturday. Uh, I just spent three days at the SEC tournament. It was a blast, a ton of fun. Um, the energy in the building is great. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been to a lot of SEC tournaments. I haven't been to one in a while just because I didn't feel like Alabama was a big threat in any of them for a while. But uh, all the ones I've ever been to, all the rumors you hear about Kentucky fans are true. They take that place over. I mean, it is crazy how, how many Kentucky fans are there. And they don't necessarily leave after Kentucky leaves. It's like they come and hate watch. They just come out of spite and they like want to take up tickets and – they just sit there very unhappy and watch two other teams play. It's kind of it's kind of comical. Yeah, I, I, we had uh, a call earlier because uh, obviously I'm sure you've heard some rumblings, you know, about some Alabama fans buying up the the second session tickets too and hanging around for the Auburn game. And I was referencing that I've seen uh, Kentucky and Carolina and some of the big brand schools do that. Uh, where their team was maybe even eliminated in some cases, and they're still why is this Kentucky Blue still hanging out at this eight o'clock game? Well, they they bought the tickets, and so they're going to sit in sit them and use them, and they're going to be there whether their team is, is there or not. At least I understand it from an Alabama perspective, one way or the other. Like if you if you were an Auburn fan, just like hey, I don't want it to be a sellout. I I know an Alabama fan who bought a ticket for the '89 Iron Bowl and framed it unused so that he could say it wasn't full. I mean, you know, there, there's a the Alabama-Auburn thing has got a funny history to it, right? But if you're a Kentucky fan, why on earth do you want to watch Texas A&M play, uh, I don't know, who they, who they put Arkansas? I mean, I, I don't get that. 
yeah, uh, fans do some some fan things sometimes. Uh, I think I, I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, Luke, appreciate you calling in today. All right, guys. Have a good one. As Luke from Alex City joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called us. Matt, how are you doing? What's up? What's up, Matt? How's it going? So, let me guess. It's Brent? Correct. Um, Correct. And Cam. And Ryan. No Cam today. Oh. Cam's fired. All right. I will let him know. He owes us $100. All right. Hey, so, hey, so like, I'll, I want to get you guys, uh, you guys can answer this question one at a time. Uh, Brent, I mean, Ryan, first I'll start with you. What do you guys think about us playing Iowa in, in, in Birmingham? Do you think that we can win? And who would you put on for basketball on the six foot eight guy for Iowa? Yeah, for Murray, who's their leading scorer with 20 points a game. Yeah, so uh, first, I think. As with really any 8-9 game, it's it could go either way. I, I don't want that to sound like a cop-out answer, but statistics show that this is about a 51-49 type of game. I mean, it's very even. So uh, I think Iowa's offense and their ability to shoot threes is going to be very important. Auburn's going to need to limit that. Uh, the Tigers will need to rebound far better than they did against Arkansas and come out with that edge. Uh, so who they put, put on Murray, uh, Murray's 6'8", a little bit of athleticism. He'll shoot from the perimeter. He'll play a little bit down low. Feels like more of a Jalen Williams assignment. Uh, if he plays five, they might have to have some broom on him. Uh, but I, I think Williams would probably make the most sense to start out the game with. So, uh, so Tom, who, who do you think? Uh I, I mean, I, I definitely think Auburn can can win that game. I just uh, I, I hope that the Auburn team that we see is the Auburn team that started out so well against Alabama and the Auburn team that looked so good coming back against Arkansas. We just don't need to see the team that blew that lead, and we don't need to see the team that was getting their butts kicked by Arkansas. So I just we need the good Auburn, not the bad one. And, and unfortunately, we've seen a little bit of both out of the Tigers. Okay, and so – so, Brent, I already asked you, right? You haven't yet. Um, I, I think Auburn's got a shot to win this game. I mean, the line is like Auburn by one right now, uh, so I think that's pretty accurate. And I think you're going to see mostly Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan guarding their 6'8 kid. Okay, another question is, is, say if Auburn wins against Iowa, um, who do you see Auburn playing? Houston, or do you see them playing? The other, yeah, Northern Kentucky. I, I think it'll be Houston. That's a one sixteen matchup, and a sixteen has only beaten a one once, so we can't call it impossible anymore. Uh, but still, highly unlikely. Uh, obviously, if uh, the winner of the Auburn Iowa game would love for Northern Kentucky to upset Houston, but I, I simply don't think that's likely. It, I think it'll be Houston. Didn't Winnie Green play for Northern Kentucky? Uh, he played for Eastern Kentucky. Okay, so he so he's familiar with Northern Kentucky. Uh, I don't know that those two played each other. I, I'd have to I'd have to double check that. Okay, another question for you guys, and then I'll um, do probably the tier. But do you 
two questions, and you guys can all three answer at a time. First question, did you guys know Bruce Pearl was assistant for Iowa? We sure did. Late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. Yep. And I heard that he he had changed the play calls. Yeah, there was a a little joke about uh, one of his former uh, players or assistants who who is now at Iowa as an assistant uh, joking about uh, changing play calls. Yep. And did you guys did you guys all see about was the Bama player Bama fans were on the shirts on the back of the shirts? And did you hear what what happened if they were going to the championship game against Texas A&M? Right. Yeah. They uh, if they wore those shirts again, they would have been not allowed to wear those shirts. Those were, uh, uh, yeah, not uh, not the best. It, it's just like it's just not. I don't, I didn't like the shirts. I saw the shirts and stuff of that. Like, if you're just gonna wear a shirt, just wear a normal, a normal, like basketball jersey, like an Auburn one or or Alabama. The shirt. I know that they're respecting the lady that got shot. I understand that, but you just can't wear that kind of shirt. It's just like disrespectful, and so so, but. Did you guys ever find? Did you guys ever find the song "I Want to Do Is Win, Win, Win"? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't believe we had that on the uh, on the hotkeys, um, Matt. Uh, we were we were we were supposed to look for that, but I, I forgot all about it, man. Hey, the Auburn beat Auburn softball did beat Georgia, right? They won the first game on Friday, but they they lost the two on Saturday, so they lost the series. So does Auburn? When does Auburn baseball and softball play again? Do they play this week? Yes, they do. Uh, baseball plays Tuesday against Georgia Tech, and I think softball. I think they're off till Friday. I think they've yeah. got a doubleheader on Friday out in Oklahoma City. So, so Auburn plays at home. Yes, they play play Plainsman Park against Georgia Tech tomorrow. And so, who is pitching for Auburn? Have they said? Uh, I'm not aware if they have said or not. I, I imagine they have not just yet. Uh, I certainly have not seen that if they have. So, Brent, are you going to be at the game Tuesday? I'm not going to be at the game, no. Uh, he owes $50. Oh, wow. Oh, Owing $50 because he didn't spend 50 Well, it wouldn't have been $50. Wouldn't but have been 50, but yeah. no, he's not, he, no, he's not, no, Brent, you owe $50 because you're not going to the game. Uh, yes. All right. Well, that's uh, uh, we'll, we'll have <laughs> hey, to get that hey. from him. Hey, have you guys talked? Have you guys? I haven't seen Bill lately. How is he doing? Have you guys talked to JJ yet? Uh, yeah. So uh, you might might know this. You know, Bill does not work for us anymore. Uh, he's uh, doing a, a school system job that he really likes. Um, so he's not been been working over here in, in quite some time. And then uh, as for JJ, yeah, we've been we've been keeping up with him. He's doing quite well. He's he's done a lot of these Auburn softball games, and he'll be. On the call of those Auburn softball games out in OKC this weekend, so he's. Wait, uh, did he ever attempt to come back on the show trying and say hey to him? Uh, if he comes back on the show, yes, we will let you say hey to him. Well, hey, you guys ever see Bill? Tom, I said congratulations on his new job, and I miss him. I know I get to pick on him and Tom a lot, but and um, so, but, hey, do you guys mind doing a chair real quick? I'm kind of in a good mood today. And um, so, do you guys are you guys ready? Yes, we can do the cheer real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ready to do the countdown? Uh, yes, here we, we go. Are. Five, four, four, four three, three, two, two one. one. 
War Eagle. Hey, beat Bama. Bama. You're coming to our field this year. We're going to smoke ya. Booyah. Smoke. Booyah. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. Hey, I hope uh, hey, Brent, I hope I see you at a game on Saturday for all going baseball. And make sure you look for me, okay? If I'm there, I'll look for you, man. I'll have like a like a either a white Auburn baseball jersey on or a blue one that has Auburn on the back of it and and says so. But hey, listen, you guys have a good day. And listen, it's St. Patrick's Day Friday, so you guys gotta wear green or you get pinched. All right, we will keep that. We'll we'll have to do that. We appreciate hey, the phone call, Matt. Hey, listen, I want to give a big war eagle to James and War Dan and War Dan Steve. You guys, War Eagle guys, and talk to you guys next Monday. War Eagle, Matt, War Eagle. Pre- appreciate the phone call. That's Matt for Tallahassee, Matt from Auburn. Excuse me, Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show when we come back. Best and worst of the weekend on this Monday edition of Sports Call. <laughs> You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brent Daughtry with you here. About a little under a half hour to go in the show today. Again, cleaning a few things up for the remainder of the week. Tomorrow will only be a one-hour show. So we will do Town Name Tuesday slash Wacky Wednesday on Wednesday. So the Wacky Wednesday will functionally be Town Name Tuesday. It'll be on Wednesday, so that'll make its return. Excited about that. Um, again, Borgard High School Baseball will be on our airwaves tomorrow around 4.15. Uh, 4.30 first pitch for that game. As we start our high school baseball and softball season, about halfway into things for baseball and softball, Borgard will have their first broadcast this week. We'll have our first uh, Smith Station broadcast next week, so excited about all that. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on all those games uh, when when they obviously affect sports call. Uh, and then a little bit later this week, uh, we'll have a Thursday show that will conclude at 5 o'clock. That's because uh, over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, that's when Andy Burcham and company will start their Auburn Sports Network coverage of Auburn men's basketball at the NCAA tournament. And we want everyone to be primed and ready to go there. Uh, so that is when uh, we will get off there around 5 o'clock on Thursday. Tom, I want to give you the opportunity before we get in the best and worst of the weekend uh, I asked Brent before the, the end of the 4 o'clock hour, just anything that stood out to you about the bracket, good or bad, anything that uh, interested you, a bracket, anything at all that you want to mention right now about the uh, NCAA tournament bracket? Uh, you know, uh, a couple things. I mean, you, you always look at the snubs, and uh, yeah, we had a caller that mentioned Vanderbilt. You know, Vanderbilt had been playing a really, really good brand of basketball, but, I mean, it's just their early season – 
uh, just decimated their hopes. But, I mean, they were a team that you kind of thought might slip in there. You look at a team like Rutgers, um, I think a lot of folks thought they might be in, uh, able to get in. I think they had a net ranking of 35. Um and I think yeah, most people I, thought Rutgers might get in there, and they didn't. So. I wanted to bring up Net. Uh, you keep going though, and I'll, then I'll finish well, off with Net. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, outside of that, uh, you know, there's nothing unusual. But I do find it very, very interesting that you're that you put Alabama and Auburn both in regionals that are going to play in Birmingham and. Uh, you know, I I kind of get it with Alabama being the number one overall oh, seed. Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, that it's it is kind of questionable that Auburn as a nine seed gets to play two hours away from home. Yeah. I, I mean, no, and I understand why the other teams would look at that and kind of raise an eyebrow because that does just that just doesn't normally happen as a nine seed to get to play that close to home. But I'll take it. Well, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Look, I mean. Uh, much rather that than have to go off to wherever uh denver or sacramento yeah. or something to even be in this region of the country sure is kind of fortunate when you're an eight nine if auburn had dropped to a 10 i think the predict predict or excuse me the projections that they'd end up in denver colorado well right uh decidedly different than anywhere even if it was in the state of florida or north carolina here uh, so Auburn obviously got very very lucky with that it's going to be great for the city of birmingham it's going to be great for legacy arena uh, obviously, large uh, swaths of people that root for both Alabama and Auburn and Birmingham. Birmingham, obviously, the, the biggest city uh, in the state. So, I mean, it is going to be uh, big for the city of Birmingham. So I'm excited about that. And obviously, yeah, you'll take it if you're Auburn. But, yeah, yeah uh, objectively speaking, Houston's right to be uh, right to be upset because you should not have to be playing an hour 45, two hours from someone else's home when they're in the 8-9. The, the one quick thing about net, and then we'll go back to the Auburn make phone line, as we talked a lot about it this year. I mean, we borderline obsessed over it. We always we always made sure everyone knew that it was not the end-all, be-all. But we figured it would play a, a pivotal role. But if you look at the net of the four last four teams in, first four out, and the NCAA tournament committee releases this. This is not speculation right. on, oh, this team was a one seed in the NIT. No, these are the last four in, first four out. Mississippi State, Pittsburgh, Arizona State, Nevada were the last four teams in. The first four out were Oklahoma State, Rutgers, North Carolina, and Clemson. All right, Nevada, if you're just going net, I'm not going by merit of other things, but this is why net is dangerous. Net for Nevada was 37, okay? Fine with that. Mississippi State's net was 48, teetering. Pitt's net was 67, and Arizona State's net was 66. The net of Oklahoma State was 43, Rutgers 40, North Carolina 46. All 15 to 20 spots higher. Now, look, I can look at things and understand why a couple of those teams like North Carolina lost to Pittsburgh twice. Okay, right. well, that's why Pittsburgh's in over a team like North Carolina. Uh, Arizona State hits a half-court shot to beat Arizona. That's the difference in them making the tournament and missing the tournament. Yeah. But their net's 66. And again, Oklahoma State, who had a million quad one games being in the Big 12, their net of 43, not good enough. Rutgers, who beat Purdue, I think that's a pretty comparable win to what that's Arizona State with, did with uh, Arizona. Uh, they had some big games. They were left out. So, again, we, we mentioned net throughout the year. It is a metric. But just to show you why it clearly is not – gospel and why right. it clearly uh it, there are other things that looked at if you were just going off the net 
Pittsburgh and Arizona State would not be in the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma State and Rutgers would be. Right. Uh, the other thing I look at, and this is crazy, um, some of the teams that get in and like what how they've been doing over their last 10 games. Yeah, I think that's very relevant. Yeah, and then the committee will openly tell you now they don't look at that. They used to. They right. don't anymore. And the reason I have a problem with that is teams are allowed to get better. Teams are allowed to start functioning functioning in a different and more appropriate way. And if you are playing, and look, I get that the non-conference games are the first game, so you kind of value those because you look at teams compared to other teams and other conferences, and there's great value in that. But if a team all of a sudden is playing incredible basketball at the end of the season versus a team that just went 3-7 and seven their last 10, as long as there's not a big scheduling disparity in those two teams' last 10 games... I mean, you've got to start to think to yourself, did this one team get a little bit better? Right. And if they did get a little bit better, are they not deserving of of going on? Or are you still penalizing them because they were not better in November? Right. Like, like the other team was better in November, but this team's better than February. Why? Which one do you prefer? Right. There, there are two teams that made the tournament that are 3-7 and seven over their last 10 games. Uh, which ones? Let's see. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Go for it. I don't know. Auburn and okay. Iowa State. All right. Well, see, they were well within. Iowa State had, like, again, a bunch of quad uh, wins. Well, they but. get a six seed. They, Iowa State is in yeah. as a six seed, yeah. but they are just three and seven over their past ten. Right. Auburn gets a nine seed. Auburn is also just three and seven over their past ten. Right. However, they have that the quad one win over Tennessee. However, these teams are just four and six over their last ten entering the tournament. Arkansas, Tennessee, uh-huh. <laughs> TCU, Providence, and Illinois. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of it. And, and again, yeah. it is a little different for teams well within. Right. I'm talking about like the, the last four and first four outs. Oh, I know. How to differentiate. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it, just it shows you all. I mean, and look, right. Auburn did have a very tough schedule. but yeah, Absolutely. But they still had their opportunities in those games, didn't no. get them. So, well, yeah. Um, but still, three and seven over their past 10. Yeah. That, that's not, not your best. That's not good at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of interesting seeing uh, uh, seeing how they, you know, they kind of have this broken down with like the teams that are hot, you know, teams that are hot, teams that are not, type things like that. And obviously, you know, teams that are not hot are <laughs> definitely Auburn and Iowa State right yeah, now coming into the tournament. Named them all yet, the three and sevens and four and sixes. Yep. All right, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, tiger 9 Next up on the show, Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, I'm outstanding, guys. Uh, been listening to the show. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. Real quick, uh, to answer you to maybe Tom's question about Auburn ending up in Birmingham, I can tell you the reason Auburn's in Birmingham. Same reason is the fact that uh, it's called money. Auburn travels well. They're going to be an hour and a half from, from their campus uh, between Alabama and Auburn. Uh, it, you know, a ticket's going to be hard to come by there. So, uh, I mean, if you look at the other town, I don't know how well Houston travels. I mean, they've, they've probably got their fan base that travels with them, but it can't be too huge. Uh, you would think North Northern Kentucky, I mean, what are they, five hours away, six hours away? Uh, I'm not sure. Maryland, probably the same. I mean, just look at the teams you've got there and then look at your two hub teams. I call them hub teams, the money teams. That's Alabama and Auburn. They're going to bring the 
money. I mean, it's, uh, the NCAA is all about the money. So uh, yeah, but you know, I, I, no, I I agree with that. But I mean, but if that was the case, then you would see that a lot more often, and it's and it's not something you see very often. The Auburn has a great fan base when they're doing well. They they absolutely do, but. I mean, you would. I think you would see that just a heck of a lot more often, and and you really just don't see that. I one that does jump out to me is I do remember Auburn having to play against Syracuse in the state of New York back in two thousand or two thousand and one when Carmelo Anthony was yeah. there. Um, they had to play him in Buffalo, I believe, which is pretty much on the almost won the ball game too. What's that? I said they almost won the ball game. Auburn, Auburn almost beat Syracuse and Carmelo Anthony, yeah. and then they went on to win the national title that year. That was like 03 or 04. 03, yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I think that's big. I, I like it. I mean, I think it's great uh, for for the state of Alabama. Uh, you know, the state of Alabama in basketball has come a long way uh, over, you know, the past 10 years. If you really look at where Auburn's been and what they're doing and now uh, what Alabama's doing, uh, it, it's it's good for the state of Alabama. So, uh, you know, more power to them. I, you know, I, I would love nothing more to see uh, Auburn beat Iowa and then knock off Houston. You know, he going uh, you know, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the coach for uh, Houston. He Kelvin complain. Sampson. Yeah, Sampson. And he's probably got good reasons to complain. But still, uh, you know, for, here's the deal. If, if Auburn – and, and the, the, the 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 nominator that you, you got to look at is if if Auburn plays well and can get by Iowa because Auburn's a little bit of a you just don't know what you're gonna get you know so but if they can get by Iowa and get to that game against Houston it's one game it's right. one game right. anything you know and and that, and the fact that Auburn's playing in Birmingham uh, you know I think I think they could. Uh, make that game interesting. I, I really believe that. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I did have uh, one of my concerns with the – I don't really have an issue with the, the brackets. And, you know, i, I got to dig deeper in this Joe Lenardi deal, uh, how he can pick 67 out of the 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament. I wonder if he's picking a uh, bracket because I might just mirror his bracket if he can pick 67 out of 68 teams to get in it the tournament, but uh, <clears throat> one thing that I, I do have an issue with, and uh, okay, SEC had eight in and what, the Big Ten? Uh, or what? Yeah, Big t- uh, Big Ten or Big 12. Cool. Big 12 had seven or eight, yeah. So, so, so the NCAA says the best two conferences is the Big 12 and the SEC. Okay, so I mean, if you look at teams that's in the tournament, they had the most. Right couple of things that I don't un- quite understand. One thing I figured out, I, I think the NCAA has it in for Texas a because they should be higher than a uh, – what, what seed were they? A uh, Seven seed. A seven seed. Yep. They should, uh, here's the thing. How do you give Kentucky their seed, which is, what is it, a five? Uh, six seed, I believe, yeah. They get a six. A&M finished second in the uh, – you know, in the uh, – the regular season uh, play and finish second in the SEC tournament. Right. But yet, Kentucky's ranked higher than them. Yeah, Luke called in a, about this a little bit earlier, Keith. You know, oh, his, yeah, his uh, his argument was, you know, Texas A&M just didn't have 
uh, a good non-conference schedule. They didn't really uh, play anybody and, and that sort of thing. And, and I, I definitely understand that point. That has to be what yeah. the committee is using. However, they won 25 games. That, as you said, they were above Kentucky in both the regular season and conference standings. And right. I, I mean, it, it depends on what your view on, on how things should work. Do you, do you view the win against the mediocre team is better, or do you view the loss against a good team as better? I, I yeah. you know, I mean, it's part of your philosophy on that, but, but yeah, it, I, that was something that was, I, yeah. I was a little confused about. I mean, Kentucky had a horrible loss. I mean, they they got beat at home by South Carolina. Is that correct? Right. Yes. yes. They so they yeah. they had plenty of those too. Yeah. But here, here, here's, and I see what Luke's argument is, and, and, and I agree. I mean, I understand what he's saying. I agree with that. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. But the flip side of that is if the NCAA committee thinks that the SEC and the Big 12 are the two best conferences in the league, that ought to weigh in on something. Sure. If A&M finished second in, in the regular season and in the SEC tournament, uh, you know, it's, it's give or take. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I guess the schools learn real quick. You know, schedule. I, yeah, I don't know how you schedule. It, it's over my head. You know, as far as how you want to do. But you know, the easiest way to do it is just win your your, your tournament championship, and then you know, nobody can tell you you can't get in. Sure. Uh, but you know, I, I will say that uh, um, I, I feel bad for Fandy. Uh, you know, they had a great season so far, and maybe they'll do well in NIT. I'd love to see them got in. But, you know, your net ranking or whatever they go by, you know, maybe they didn't play enough good teams to start the season. I, you know, I, I don't know how they figure all that. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the tournament is pretty much got the best teams in it, I, I guess, for the most part. So we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, it's. It's March Madness, and um, you know every year I want a 16 seed to knock off the one. I just don't want a 16 seed to knock off Alabama. But uh, you know, I have heard that that uh, Texas A&M, uh, Corpus Christi, United States of America, whatever they're <laughs> they're called, uh-huh. uh, they can shoot a basketball, and they they're a pretty decent team. So you know. Uh, We'll see how it all plays out. You know, I I think Alabama. Most people have them as the odds-on favorite to to get to the Final Four, and several's got them to win it. You know, some of the, I guess, the prognosticators. You know, I don't know how you you deal all that. I know how many years in a row the number one seed won it. Oh, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but but it, we are on a run where I feel like the best or second best team in the country has has won it. So it's got to be a, a several years there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and probably you know if Houston wins that ball game yesterday uh, and beats Memphis, they're probably uh, they're probably the, the the overall number one seed. Uh, but the fact that they lost, you know, um, I think the committee got it right. I think Alabama's deserving of the, the top overall uh, seed right now, uh, and you know we'll just see how I guess really how everything plays out. But you know you, you got to shoot the ball well, and if you're a shooting team like Alabama. But here's what I saw in the SEC tournament that that I feel confident with with Alabama right now. They're they're hitting pretty much on all cylinders. If they can get Sears hot with the rest of the shooters that they got, if Sears can pick it up a little bit and get hot in the NCAA tournament, they're going to be hard to beat. But what's so impressive about them right now, and especially through the SEC tournament, was their defense. Yep. 
their defense was really good in the SEC tournament, and they need that to carry them through the NCAA tournament as well. you got to play defense. But anyway, guys, I know you're short on time. Thank you so much. One last question, and I'll hang up and listen. Yes, sir. Uh, would you fill out a bracket? And, and you know, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. These play-in games, do they count toward that bracket, or do you get a freebie on the play-in game and – because I don't know when the brackets you, are supposed to be in. You, you get a freebie. Yeah, you can let them play out, or you can go ahead and fill them out. And basically what you're saying is, you're it, like in the 6-11 matchup, for instance, yeah. you're saying the winner of that play-in in the 11-11 will beat the 6 seed. It does not have to be a particular 11. You're not have to picking one of those. You're just picking if that 11 will end up beating the 6. So they explain that. So if I wanted to get in the CBS Million Dollar Championship or whatever they call all that, I don't have to pick a winner of that game. Is that what you're saying? Of the of the first four game, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, all right. Just just curious about that. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Y'all, y'all do a great job. Thanks for uh, for taking my call. I, I really appreciate you guys uh, for the tickets to the uh, Auburn gymnastics. I've never been to one. Uh, my granddaughter had a freaking ball. Awesome. Uh, she was our eyes lit up. But I tell you what, they lit up even more when I bought her that big old thing of cotton candy. She down there. <laughs> I've been. I said okay. You're going to be up late tonight. But anyway, y'all guys have a good one, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk again. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, Keith. Appreciate you calling in. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him. Uh, also, by the way, uh, if Keith continues to listen here, you can join the, the Sports Call bracket on ESPN. Again, Sports Call 2023 bracket uh, on the ESPN app, and you can join – uh, obviously free for us. We do not have a, a big grand prize, though, like a million dollars, but uh, yeah. uh, you, we all can compete against one another and, and see how that uh, shakes out. We do not have time for best and worst of the weekend. We do have a quick moment for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. World Baseball Classic, 6 o'clock, Puerto Rico and Israel on FS1. Also, 9 o'clock in the World Baseball Classic, Canada, Edouard Julian versus the United States of America, 9 p.m. on FS1. NBA, 645, Memphis Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks. And 9.05 tonight, Phoenix Suns, Golden State Warriors. And then a movie pick for you at 11.29 on Max. Is trouble with the curve? Why it's at eleven twenty nine is absolutely beyond me. But nevertheless, it will occur at eleven twenty nine and not eleven thirty. And that is a nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer Fun Show today. It flew by again. Tomorrow's show will only be an hour, so that's going to fly by even quicker. Uh, but Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you hopefully tomorrow. Yep, absolutely. And Brant, thank you for being here. We'll see you a little bit later on in the week. Thank you for having me. We appreciate Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter for joining us on the show today for talking Auburn baseball as well. We, of course, as always, thank all those who tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan Boy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.